0: You would please open your Bibles to Genesis, we are starting chapter 13, Genesis chapter 13, this is God's word. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron. Where he built an altar to the Lord. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. There are various things that we're told in uh, the scriptures about the different characters. And last time we emphasized the fact that just because something happens doesn't mean that that's the way. We're supposed to do things, okay? The great heroes of the faith are presented not only with their strengths, but also with their failings. And so when we look at this, the first thing we need to realize is this is what happened. But the other thing we need to remember is we're not necessarily supposed to do exactly what all these characters do, especially if they're doing opposite things. But we can certainly learn from what happened to them, and especially when we look at stories like this in the light of other scriptures. So what happened here? Well, prosperity brought challenges. Both Abram and Lot had prospered. God was blessing them. But with that came challenges. You may think, I would love to have a million dollars. How many of you would welcome a million dollars if you got word this afternoon that your great-great-uncle died and named you as the recipient? Okay, million dollars. That'd be nice. What you don't realize is if you had a million dollars, you would suddenly have a bunch of additional responsibilities. You have to pay taxes. You have to decide what to do with it in order to try and keep it from becoming a whole lot less. Because, I mean, you can't just have a million dollars and say, oh well, you know, easy come, easy go, I don't care. So now you've, I mean, let's just say that I know how some of you manage your money especially students, especially certain students. And, uh, you know, if you're not careful, you can run through any amount of money. I had a fellow who took me to lunch in Atlanta. We went to a very fancy restaurant in his Mercedes and had a nice meal, and toward the end, he said, well, the reason I need to talk to you, he said, I need you to pray for me. He said, "Um, the bank has just done an assessment of my situation, I have $16 million in assets. I thought, well, that's good. He said, I have $21 million in liabilities. And he said, they're coming to get everything. And they did. They took his house. They took his pool house. They took his art. They took his wife's fur coats, they took her jewels, they took his business, they took his car, they took everything that man had, because taking everything he had was not enough to pay what he owed. So I let him pay for lunch. But as I processed the information, I realized that I was in much better shape financially than the multimillionaire who invited me to go to lunch. You understand? You see, if you have a million dollars and you spend $1.1 million, you're broke. You're in debt. You're in bad shape. You owe money. Well, uh, I don't think, I think if I had a million dollars, I would not go in debt. Have you ever read the articles or seen the stories about what typically happens to people who win the lottery? They end up broke. Good grief, how could that happen? They won millions of dollars. Yeah, but when a lot of people. Let's put it this way. Anybody who's dumb enough to play the lottery is generally not good at managing money, which is why they're p- playing the lottery. You understand? Don't say that about my mom. You're the one who's saying your mom pays the lo- plays the lottery. I didn't, I didn't know that. I don't, I don't see your mom's bank account. But I know what some people do with ranch bucks. Some people are smart with their ranch bucks, and some people never have enough ranch bucks to do what they want to do because they've already spent their ranch bucks on stuff that they wanted to do last week. One of the reasons we have the Ranch Bucks program is so that you learn how to manage finances before you have to manage finances out there. You understand? And I'm thrilled that more and more students every year decide to participate in Operation Christmas Child and take some of their ranch bucks to do something for somebody else because I'll tell you, the best thing you can do with your resources is not spending it on yourself. Well, what's happening here? Well, what's happening here is Abram has been blessed. Lot has been blessed. And the blessing is so great that they can't fit all the animals in the area where they are and there's not enough food for the animals to eat. Let's, let's suppose, how many, how many of you like the horse and cattle and, and sheep around here? Is it, is it pretty cool? I think it's absolutely tremendous. Absolutely love it. If, if I were to tell Mr. Ryan after chapel, hey, I just got a call from a friend, okay? And he's got 48 horses he wants to donate to the ranch. (laughs) Okay? I mean, and these are beautiful horses, okay? But the only thing is, we got to pick them up uh, next week, and, uh, and we can't get rid of any of them, because he really loves these horses, and he wants them to be well cared for. He's seen stuff on the web about... Our, our horse program, and he really, really admires you and uh, and what you're doing, and so he wants to give these 48 horses to you. Would Mr. Ryan say, "Oh, wow! What what breed are they?" He'd say, "Pastor, Wood, I'm I'm so sorry, but we can't take 48 more horses." Well, uh, this guy's going to even pay for the transportation. It's <laughs> not going to happen. Well, but uh, what if he were to give money for food? And that, no. We can't take 48 more horses. Well, he has some cattle too. Okay. Well, that, that doesn't sweeten the deal. That just makes it worse. You need to understand that some of the things we really wish God would do for us, he doesn't do for us because he loves us. And with blessing comes responsibility. With prosperity, you get challenges. And here, the herdsmen, the folks taking care of the animals, are starting to argue with each other because I'm responsible to take care of these animals and this guy's animals are coming over into our area. And there's, get them out of here. And they're quarreling with each other. And Abram says to Lot, "Um, I'm the uncle, you're the nephew. God called me to come to this place. You just came along with me. Please notice, when you look at what happened here in the passage, chapter 12 said, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Verse 4 of chapter 12. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Got it? Chapter 13 starts, So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. So do you get the picture? Abram is doing what God says, he's going where God sends, and lots going along with him. But their prosperity is now becoming a burden, and so Abram said, look, this is my show. You're going to have to go get your own. Actually, that's not what he said. He said, I don't want there to be any strife between us. You're like a brother to me, nephew. We're relatives. I want us to get along. So I'm going to give you the choice as to where to go. If you go right, I go left. If you go left, I go right. And Lot says, oh, well, no, that's, that's I mean, you know, you're very kind, but uh, I, I think you should choose. You you take whatever, and I'll take the rest. That's not what Lot said. Lot looked, and it was kind of easy to choose because this area over here was lush and green, well watered, great place for his animals. Looks like a wonderful place to live. It's very prosperous. It's great. So he says, I'll take all that. That's what he said. I'll take all that. And Abram said, Well, you can't have all that. I mean, you can go there and you can have some of that, but don't you think I ought to get some of that too? No, Abram said, Okay. At this point in the story, who do you like better? Abram or Lot? I'm with Abram. I mean, I I think that's incredibly generous and kind and humble. And Lot, I'm not liking Lot. I mean, first of all, because it's not good to be selfish. Secondly, because I can relate a lot. If if somebody said to me, come to my car lot, and any car you want, I'll give you. Wow. Really? Yeah. Gift. Okay. I really like you. Like what you do. I want to give you a car. You pick any car on my lot, and it's yours. My human tendency, sinful, selfish human tendency, my base personality is not to say, oh no, no, please, I, I could never, why don't you just, you, you choose, I'll trust you, you know the cars, you pick. No, I'm, I'm really, I'm gonna kinda walk around hoping to see what's the most valuable. If I'm going to get given a car, I mean, he's going to end up with a whole bunch of other cars still on the lot, so, you know, is, is it really a problem for me to want the best car on the lot? Wouldn't I be an idiot not to want the best car on the lot? Of course, I'm going to take the best car on the lot, which is why it's not good for me to go through a buffet line because I'm looking three people down at who's getting what and hoping they don't choose that piece because I can tell from here that's the biggest piece. Okay, I want that piece. And I want it all for me. Years ago I heard an NFL player describing his, uh, his experience as a rookie in the NFL. They, they went to camp before the season started he said we sat down and there was a big platter covered with fried chicken and he named one of the other players who was a vet Um, I mean in other words he'd been playing in the NFL for years and he was a big guy and famous and so forth and he said when we sat down in front of that chicken this guy said that one's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine and so everybody let him have the once he licked, <laughs> you know. I don't think I want his spit, no matter how good that piece of chicken looks. Well, the next day, again, big platter of fried chicken, and the guy goes, that one's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine, etc." And everybody let him have it. But I think it was the third day, the rookie had now interacted enough that he had a certain degree of confidence about his future in the league. And before the big guy could do that, the rookie went, that one's yours, that one's yours, that one's yours, that one's yours. I thought that was kind of (laughs) cute. He didn't get beaten up either. But but here's the thing. Lot selfishly took what looked best it's going to turn out that he was not in a good place. As it says here, the people of that place were wicked, extremely wicked. Lot settled in a place that looked good, but in terms of what really matters, it wasn't good. In Second Peter chapter 2, It describes Lot's experience in that place. If God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. That doesn't sound like a fun life. If you hang out with folks who are living extremely wicked lives you've got two options one is to fit in and be destroyed along with them and the other is to be miserable because you are grieved by the wicked behavior of these people you understand those are your choices Lot looked And from a distance, that green valley looked fabulous. That's what I want, and I want it all. I'll take all that. Thank you very much. You're a kind man, Uncle. I appreciate you. Abram said, true to his word, okay, I'll take this. An area that was not as well watered. An area where life would be a little harder. And by the way, there were wicked people where Abram was too. Just not as wicked as Sodom and Gomorrah. Now we'll talk more about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah as we read further in the chapters. But I want you to understand for now that If you base your decisions just on what looks good, what looks easy, you're going to end up cheating and lying, being sexually immoral, giving in to peer pressure to do things you shouldn't do. That's going to be your life. And I plead with you not to go there. Because it always ends in destruction. So, did Lot get destroyed? It says there. No, Lot was miserable there, and he ended up losing basically his possessions and his wife. And it didn't turn out so great with his daughters. His family suffered, he suffered even though in his mercy, God chose to spare him. Don't just go by how things look on the outside. Look at what pleases God. Because somebody may have a lot of money and be absolutely evil. But money doesn't last. And this life doesn't last. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. All of us are going to have to stand before God one day. And the only hope for any of us is not, well, I I did the right thing. I I was consistently good. The only hope for any of us is Jesus. We sang about it this morning. He bore the wrath that we deserved. But if you are not trusting in him for your salvation, you will experience the wrath of God. In fact, John chapter 3 says, you are currently living under the wrath of God if you are not trusting in Christ. So, when I look at this story, as I said, I don't like Lot very much. But one of the reasons is because I can relate. I can relate to being offered a choice and thinking selfishly and wanting to get what looks best for myself. So is there any hope for a person like Lot? For a person like me? Yes, the hope is in Jesus. He came to save sinners. So shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. I told you that my tendency, my human inclination is to want the best for myself. And By God's grace, what I have to repeatedly try and learn to do is to want the best for others. Okay? To so say, I think this would be good for so-and-so. To realize when God blesses me that I'm supposed to be a channel and not just a reservoir. That means basically in marriage and parenting and working you learn to die every day. Dying to self. Saying no to your own appetites and desires. Putting others ahead of yourself. It's the way that we're taught in the New Testament we're supposed to live. Philippians says, not that you don't have any interest in your own thing, but you, you defer, you put the interests of others out of your own. I try not to spend a lot of time on Facebook. It is a wonderful avenue for witnessing. I've been able to reconnect with a whole bunch of people and try and encourage them toward Jesus. Pray for a lot of folks. People put prayer requests on there. But I'll tell you something some of the memes that people like or love are basically about how important it is to learn not to put others ahead of yourself. Gotta look out for number one, okay? Well, folks, I'm sorry. Hate to tell you, but a ton of the influencers, a ton of the folks who will tell you what you want to hear and try and make you feel great about yourself are simply on a fast track to hell, and the enemy wants to use them to take you along too. So should I just not care anything about myself? I'm just going to stop bathing and eating and anything I enjoy. I'm going to pull all the curtains and live in the dark and just sit around thinking about how worthless my life is. That doesn't honor the Lord. That's horrible. What am I supposed to do? You tell me I'm not supposed to take care of myself? No. I'm saying you don't live a selfish life you can do more for others if you will eat and exercise and keep a positive outlook and bathe okay it's easier for them to be around you if you don't smell like something died okay but If your focus is just on making yourself feel good, it doesn't work, let me say that again, it doesn't work, you end up feeling worse in the end, and you miss out on the opportunity to experience the great joy of investing in others. countless people have told me that their greatest happiness was something that they were able to do for someone else. I get letters from people who say, thank you for providing a place where we can give with confidence. Let me just tell you something. You will experience the joy of the Lord as you Serve him by serving other people. So take care of yourself so that you can be a good, strong servant, but not so that you can make everybody else serve you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus went to the cross for us. You tell us in your word that we should have that same mindset. Thank you for loving us. We want you to love through us. We want other people to encounter your grace as they experience grace through us. Lord, we know we can't give away what we don't have. So I pray that you would flood us with an awareness of how magnificent your love for us is. Not so that we will congratulate ourselves, but so that we will be amazed and learn to love others. Loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Because we love you. Because you loved us. and We'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.